Welcome to the Unrest Podcast. I'm Madeline Green. And I'm Caitlin Stansel. If you haven't done so yet, go ahead and hit subscribe so you can get the latest real life haunts as soon as we post them. And speaking of haunts, you know what goes perfectly with ghosts? True crime. We're talking about the Alec Murdoch case and when we post this episode, it'll be a day or so after. But tonight they just revealed the verdict the guilty verdict he's been convicted of killing his wife and son i mean this case has just been wild and so many people have been like obsessed with it basically including this is actually yeah (laughs) this is actually something that isn't too far from where you live caitlin Mm -hmm. when i was watching some of the trial he even talks about visiting someone in somerville i think maybe it was maggie's parents or or something like that but I mean, the case has absolutely just sucked me in. I tried really hard to, you know, not get involved in it just because the very first time I heard about it, you know, I for sure was like, you know, he's guilty. All this craziness surrounding him, like other deaths surrounding him and his family. And then, you know, this weird circumstance where he had someone attempt to shoot him. So it's just like a really, really bizarre case. I've said to other people... You know, I thought for sure he was guilty. And then, you know, with the trial and everything being televised and you could watch it, then I got to like double guessing it. Like, you know, is he the only one? Like, could he have done this? And it just sucked me in. And now that it's over, it's the weirdest feeling. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, what do I do now? (laughs) (laughs) There's like such a void (laughs) now that... This isn't just like constantly on TV or on social media. They'll do the sentencing stuff tomorrow. But I mean, this is like really gripped, not just South Carolina and this like little low country area, but, you know, the entire nation. It's just really gotten a lot of people's attention. And well, and I think, too, when you think about, you know, our lives, yes, there have been many high profile type cases, but this is really the only one that I've actually taken the time to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just really crazy. And it shows you a lot into, you know, the judicial system and, and you learn a lot as you're watching too. Mm -hmm. And Madeline and I were talking about this before we started recording, but you know, Madeline, you were talking about you would find it hard if you were a juror to have convicted him because you felt like the evidence was so circumstantial. It just didn't really tie him completely to their deaths. But Mm -hmm. I will tell you in covering like the Heather Elvis case out of Myrtle beach, pretty much all of their evidence was circumstantial too. And I think that that's something the general public doesn't really understand is that so many cases are based on circumstantial evidence. Like, If a prosecutor has a gun with a bloody handprint on it, I mean, that's like winning the lottery when you are a prosecutor. But most times they are having to rely on evidence that they're sort of having to like pull at strings for, you know, and tie together so that the jury can understand sort of what the prosecution thinks happened. And it's just not always very cut and dry, but fascinating. And we were saying, you know, like, we've just been so obsessed with the case. 
that both of us have had dreams about Alex Murdoch. <laughs> yeah, Alex, <laughs> Alec, Alexander, whatever his name is. <laughs> and, you know, we talk a lot about dreams on this podcast. So I just think that that's like kind of fun and interesting. Oh, yeah. And for sure. Actually, talking about dreams, uh, our first real life haunt today also involves a dream. And this is one that is going to make you a little scared to go to sleep tonight because it kind of freaked us out when we were listening to this story. And like she said, that'll be the first real life haunt. The second one is even worse. And (laughs) that real life haunt sent in her story already recorded. And it was only like a few minutes. It's a very short story, but it is definitely a doozy. And listening to it, it gave me like full body chills. But here's our first real life haunt who shares his friend's experience with a dream that was so immersive that he felt like he couldn't come up for air. So take a listen. I am not much of a fisherman, but I do occasionally go fishing as I have a lot of friends who really enjoy it. Here in California, the striped bass, also known as striper, is a very popular fish to catch, and one of the best places to catch them is at the San Luis Reservoir, located west of Los Banos on Highway 152. Most of you that have gone to Gilroy, Santa Cruz, or San Jose may have passed this lake before. At the San Luis Reservoir, there are two lakes, the actual San Luis Reservoir, also known as the Big Lake, and the O'Neill Four Bay, also known as the Small Lake. So most of the time, the easiest way to catch striper is to soak bait. Cast out as far as you can and wait for the fish to come and eat the bait. Before a short window of the year in the small lake, the striper will come close to shore to feed on the bait fish. And during this time, my friends will wear water suits and actually get into the water and go out waist deep, or about 15 to 20 yards out from shore to fish. If you find the school of fish, you'll catch your limit within an hour. So like I mentioned, I am not a hardcore fisherman, but my friends told me about this unbelievable fishing experience and I had to go see for it myself. At first, I was very cautious about getting into the water. Some areas of the lake are very deep, but there are certain areas where you can go out very far from shore and the water will only be waist deep. After I started catching fish though, all my irrational fears, or so I thought, went away. I was instantly hooked. I went from going fishing maybe a few times a year to going fishing almost every other day during this bite. During this season, the seaweed grows pretty high, so your bait will get tangled in the seaweed every three to four casts. You just have to reel in your lure, remove the seaweed, and continue fishing. I forgot to mention that this style of fishing is only good once the sun goes down, so you're fishing in almost complete darkness with only the moon as your main source of light and a headlamp as a backup for when you need to tie your lure or remove stubborn seaweed. So three weeks into fishing, I planned a fishing trip with some friends. Originally, there were supposed to be four of us who were going to go night fishing, but two of my buddies bailed out. Now it was only going to be me and one other friend. Let's call him Mike. Up until this point, I had never fished with less than at least two other people with me, but I figured that I'd gone so many times before without any issues that this time will be just like those other times. Plus, Mike had never done this style of fishing before, so he was excited, and we decided to just go and fish with just the two of us. So as usual, we arrive at the spot and got ready. I told Mike about the seaweed and the depth and assured him that he would be okay if he just followed me. 
so we get into the water, and by this time, the sun is about to go down. I could tell that Mike was a little uneasy as to be expected, but after about five minutes, Mike hooked onto his first fish, and from then on, I could see that Mike had forgotten about any fears he had. We were having a great time, and we were hooking up a lot of fish, so much that we had to start releasing most of them. On this particular night, the moon was very small, so there was barely enough light to see Mike standing five to six feet to my right. About two hours into fishing, I could see him start to move further and further from me. I just figured he was getting comfortable. Then I saw Mike turn on his headlamp and walk back slowly toward me. As he approached me, he said calmly, Hey bro, the fishing here is not that good. Let's go try another spot. To which I replied, What? You're crazy. The fish are all over. He said, come on, let's go try another spot. We'll come back. I could see in his eyes that he was trying to tell me something without actually telling me. So we both make our way back to shore. We get out of our gear, pack our things, and proceed toward another spot. That's when Mike tells me that he's had enough fishing for the night and he's ready to go. At this point, we were just catching and releasing anyhow, so we exited the lake and headed home. The whole entire ride, I could tell something was off about Mike. On our way to the lake, he had been so talkative, but now he could hardly say a word. Conversations were short, and I just figured he was probably tired. About two weeks later, I heard that Mike wasn't doing well at all, and that they were trying to do a healing ritual for him, so I headed over to the house. When I got there, I noticed that Mike looked very frail and pale. I asked him if he was okay, and he just looked at me. A little confused, I asked around and my friends told me that Mike had been having trouble sleeping and was having very bad dreams. When the shaman finished his ritual, he sat down with Mike and his parents. All of the guests were all nearby waiting to hear what the shaman had to say. He asked Mike if he had gone near a large body of water recently. That's when Mike told everybody what had happened that night, the night we went fishing. He said that while we were fishing, he heard splashing like there was a feeding frenzy. When he moved away from me, he was moving toward the sounds of splashing, hoping to catch a big fish. After a few casts, he got stuck on some seaweed, and when he reeled his lure in to untangle it, he noticed the texture of the seaweed felt different from all the other types, so he turned on his headlamp. To his surprise, it was long black hair that was stuck to his lure, not seaweed. He cut his lure off, and that's when he made his way back to where I was, and we headed home. When Mike got home later that night after fishing, he started having weird dreams. He dreamt he was underwater and couldn't get out. He said every time he had this dream, it was always the same thing. It was so bad that he swore he was choking on water when he would wake up. Even his hands were wrinkled, kind of like when you've been in the pool too long. The shaman said that night something lured Mike away from me to make him vulnerable. It was stuck in the water and needed someone to take its place. And because we were in the water, it was able to reach Mike. It said that the thing had been in there a long time and because most people fish from shore, it wasn't able to get them. But Mike threw his lure directly to where it was and Mike was in its territory. So that's how it was able to get him. The following weekend, Mike's parents hired a stronger shaman to heal him and change his name. He's been fine ever since, but we no longer go fishing in that area anymore. And Mike has given up fishing altogether. My first reaction is that 
I can just imagine, I don't know why this is like the image and like sensation I get when I'm thinking about this experience he had with this dream, but I feel like there's like hair in my mouth. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like just imagining his dream. That's what I feel like. So I instantly am taken to the movie, The Ring. I knew it. I knew that's what you were going to (laughs) say. Because I'm pretty sure there's a it's been so long since I've watched this movie, but I'm pretty sure there's a part where there's like black hair in water or something. Water. Yeah. There's water, like-, like, as soon as I read it, I'm like, okay, this is reminding me of like the ring, mm-hmm. but what a crazy story. And to think that all this came out of a fishing trip and it was something that like deeply impacted this man's life that now he did. He, now he no longer fishes and he no longer goes by the same name. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is serious. Crazy. And also, I just love, like, the suspense that they told this story with. Like, at the beginning, I'm like, okay, what are where are we going with this? You know, we're just talking about fishing and all, all these, like, fishing nuances. But then as soon as he starts talking about this dream situation, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> 100%. Now going into our second real life haunt, buckle up, because this one really threw me for a loop. When I got it and it was only a few minutes long, I'm like, there's no way. There's no way this one's going to be creepy. (laughs) Right. And this one is probably one of the most creepy ones I've shared on our show. So take a listen. My name is Maddie and I've always had paranormal experiences ever since I was a little girl. But there's one in particular that scares me to this day and it's from about two years ago. So... I went over to my friend's house. It was just us three, and it was late at night. We had been watching movies, and they were scared. They were telling me about um, earlier they went outside, and they had let a dog out to use the restroom. And one of my friends said that she looked up in the dark about 30 yards away from them, and she said that she saw what looked to be a cross between a dog, a pig, and a man. It was on all fours, and it had human eyes. And... She said that she thought she was crazy, that there was no way, that that's what she was seeing. But then the third friend looked up and was like, what is that? And so they both ran inside and they started looking stuff up like, you know, what what could this be? Well, they come across, you're not supposed to say the name, but it's a witch that can shapeshift, a harmful witch of Navajo culture. And um, they said that they realized that you're not supposed to whistle at night outside and that maybe that's what summoned it because they were dealing with their dog, whatever. Well, I just knew something was going to happen to me. So I'm driving home. I'm scared because I can't stop thinking about what they told me. I get home around 3 in the morning, go in the house. It's dark inside because my family's asleep. Um, I'm in the bathroom washing my face, and I hear what sounds like my dog playing in the living room. And I'm like, why is my dog playing? It's 3 in the morning. It's dark. What is she doing in there, you know? So I'm about to go in there and check it out and I just get this dark feeling like turn around, run. I run to my sister's room, lock the door, wake her up. I'm like, where's the dog? Sure enough, the dog is asleep in the bed. So I don't know what's in the other room. I start listening a little bit closer and it changes from mimicking my dog to shuffling around. I can hear it walking and shuffling around in there. My sister can hear it too, and by no means is she a paranormal believer of any kind. 
So, my boyfriend, I call him. He comes over as fast as he can to check it out. Sure enough, nothing's there. And it scares me so bad to think about it because, one, what was in there? And two, why was it mimicking my dog? Was it so I'd whistle and call it, summon it? I'm not sure what it was or why it was there, but I know that it was not of this world. I don't want to go to sleep. <laughs> I know both of these stories, we should have like recorded this in the daylight. It's like 930 think, at night right now. <laughs> right. And I think like everything with the murder trial and then this, like it's really, it's really screwing with my head. <laughs> and, and I feel like I look like um, some kind of shapeshifter in our Zoom video. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to find words. <laughs> I mean, it just. And I think one reason why, because a lot of our real life haunts that we share, I feel like you can sort of like justify it a little bit or like talk yourself into understanding it, believing it a little bit um, or like just making yourself feel okay with it. But for some reason, this one, I don't know, just like the creepy, like hearing the sounds, but not seeing it and when you realize it's not what you thought it was, it wasn't your dog out there. Like your dog is peacefully sleeping on the bed, but what's out there making that sound. And then I can just like, I can just imagine me and you, you know, you know what this makes me think of? We were in our house in college. <laughs> the time someone was coming in our house. <laughs> or we thought someone, we were in our house in college. And I don't remember, we were like hearing this like banging sound and we thought someone was coming up our steps outside of our door. We were like, we need to look out there and see what's going on. So we go to open it. And what did you have? You had like a hammer or something. Yes. It was probably me hammering on something. (laughs) And I go to open the door and there's like this screen door on the front of it. And you know how there's like a weird suction between the doors sometimes when you go to open? Well, of course that happens is we're like hearing these sounds and we're like so freaked out already. I'm thinking and Caitlin is like, is- somebody is pulling on the door and she is freaking out. It was pretty much the funniest thing ever. And it's funny but- because what we found out is it was our neighbor next door drinking wine and hammering on something in her uh, kitchen. And we could hear it in our house because we were so close by, but. I don't know. It just makes me think of that situation, though, where like you're already so like all your senses, all your (laughs) senses are like on full blast and you're by yourself (laughs) and all everything that you thought it was, you have confirmed it is not that. Or just think like the girl driving from the friend's house home. I would have never made it. I would have stayed at the friend's house. Yeah. (laughs) Like, sorry, I live with you now. (laughs) definitely a great story both of them are really great and we thank you guys so much for sending in your stories and sharing them with us if you have a story that you want us to hear that isn't very scary (laughs) just just kidding kidding. we do like the scary ones too we just got to prepare ourselves for them those were like sneak attack ones we just weren't ready for it But yeah, we would love for you to send your stories you can email us at the unrest podcast at gmail.com or what else can you do you can hit us up on social media. We've got Facebook. We've got Instagram. We have not a LinkedIn yet. Who knows? Maybe one day we will. But we do have a TikTok. We've got it all. Until next time. Unrest, Unrest in peace. peace.